city having prowls. Treading water that they drown. My head on a swivel. Yeah. It's only really my surroundings. Welcome to episode 46 of the Smash Accept podcast. I'm your host, Michael Royer. You can find me on Twitter at Dynasty underscore DadFF. But tonight's episode's a little bit different. It's Dynasty Celebrity Jeopardy. So we're going to flip the script. I'm going to change over to Dynasty Dad Trebek here. But here we go. All right. I can't play the whole song because literally time constraints and I might get sued. So we're going to start out with our first contestant here. You guys might know him as Mr. 2000 because he just passed the 2000 mark on Twitter today. Obvious co-host of the Smash Accept podcast at Dynasty Trades. John, how you doing today? Oh, doing so good. Good to be back in the Smash Accept pod here. And yeah, thanks on the, the 2K. That meant a lot to me. And so I really wanted to just start by thanking the whole community. And you know that's what I'm here for is to always mix it up with you guys, help you out with your teams. I just actually dropped a little Twitter thread on some of uh, my favorite buys and sells. I did some ADP analysis. And so go check that out. But again, shout out to the community. Really appreciate that 2K today. I had to go out during my lunch break, you know, all sweaty from working out in the orchard. Thank and I'm you. Like, let's, let's get a video. Let's get this guy going. Uh, next, no stranger to the podcast. He's been on 162 times already. We have Jeremy from writing for at yards per at the SGP network at fa- fantasy underscore scouts at the dynasty mafia underscore FF are some of his, his co-hosts. He's also host of the FF playmakers. Always been a part of smash except crew literally is everywhere you turn around. Jeremy, how you doing tonight? Yeah, I'm doing pretty well. Thanks for having me on again. And, uh, Thanks for the uh, introduction there. Sorry, it's a little long-winded. <laughs> Wouldn't say I'm everywhere yet, though. You know, I still have some mountains to climb. You're working on that. We got our next guy. He's literally been on 17 podcasts this week. We have Sam Wagman at Swagman95, content creator for Ball Blast FB, video content at 14. Uh, is it 14P? Yeah, 14P underscore pod. And also part of the Scott Fishbowl and at the show FF. How you doing tonight, Sam? I'm doing good. Uh, thank you for having me. It's my first time on the show, but a big fan of it. And uh, yeah, I'm just very thrilled. Just joined Ball Blast uh, late last week. Dropped my first article today. Uh, a few players that I like to break into the top 12 at their uh, positions this season. But uh, yeah, you guys can go check that out. Thank you. I'm, yep. Another guy that's literally everywhere. You know, we have Jeff Bell at for whom J Bell tolls. Love that name. It's one of the best Twitter handles there is. Uh, you can find him over at, at Fantasy Pros, at the Devi Royale, at the Edge Off. Is it Edge Off Chaos? Literally everywhere. Also part of Scott Fishbowl Eleven. Jeff. Also in your in your handle it says hashtag Girl Dad, and that's something that like for me, I got four kids, and if I had four girls, man, I don't know what I would do. But being a girl dad just changes you, man. Absolutely does. I'm so thrilled to be here. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Um, like you mentioned, you know, fantasy pros going for two, um, Debbie Royale, and actually coming off the edge is the name of our show. And it's just a lot of fun. We hang out with our friends. Sometimes we talk about fantasy. Sometimes we talk about life. Um, but I'm a two-time girl dad, and I wouldn't have it any other way. I love it. And our, our returning champion, just because he's on here every week with me, we have at FFA under Mo, underscore Mung. Obviously, co-host here and over things, always doing big things over there at Fantrax. Yeah, I just uh, released updated top 200 dynasty rankings for both one quarterback and super flex formats, but uh, I'm excited to play some Jeopardy here. All right, so the way it's going to work a little bit here, and we have a comment from Jordan Vanek. Jeff has a mean thirsty Thursday dance. Luckily, Jeff. It's only Wednesday, so I'm not going to make you do it on here, but maybe we can see that on Twitter a little bit later. So the way we're going to do this is, you know, you, everybody's seen the show Celebrity Jeopardy from SNL. You know, you guys are the dynasty Celebrity Jeopardy, you know, people that we're having on. So what we're going to do is we're, we broke into six different categories that we really wanted to talk to you guys about, and that's undervalued running backs, 
wide receivers outside the top 12 who will be in the top 12 next year for Dynasty. Super flex steals, uh, your biggest trade target in every league, who you're trying to go out there and pick. This year's prediction for Rookie of the Year. And the, the big question, who's going to be that next tight end outside the top three that's really going to break out this year and, and be the tight end, top scoring tight end other than those guys? So, John, as in Mr. 2000, since you are the guy who just crossed that threshold, we're going to let you start out here. Let's hit it up. I'd like the rapists for 600, Alex. Uh, that's the therapist. Uh, I'm sorry. I forget it. No, I'll, I'll uh, take undervalued running backs for 1,000, Alex. All right. This running back struggled with injuries last year but is one of the top PPR running backs in the league year in and year out. Who is Joe Mixon? I switched that up because I actually gave you Austin Eckler for your answer. So you're going to talk about Austin Eckler. <laughs> I, I am still going to no, talk about Mixon and Eckler, actually. Uh, so, yeah, with, with Eckler, this guy, very underrated right now. He's got a dynasty ADP of RB18, I believe. And it's just an out of sight, out of mind. I mean, to your your point there, Trebek, he was injured, and so he just hasn't been around. But if you go back to 2019, he was RB7 in that time frame. And, I mean, just look at the offense now. Tremendously improved with Herbert and crew. They just upgraded the offensive line heavily in the offseason, major investments on the O-line. And with Herbert, the D is really going to have to worry about him and so I think that Eckler is, is really going to feast in that offense and I, I know that they do have a number of other running backs but he's got his role in the offense I think he gets 60 65 percent of the touches potentially still and so I, I'm really excited about getting Eckler as late as I have been able to in, in the drafts and if I if I can just work in Mixon he's also going in that same range kind of ADP RB 16 to 19 and uh, again, he, he also has been banged up with some injuries, but he's still just 24 and he's on the best offense that he's really ever been in. And I picked him up in the Smash Except Listener League in the fourth there, I think at RB18, and that's huge value. I, I think that it's setting up nicely for him to be an RB1 in that offense. Yeah, and, and Mixon was going to be my answer as well. I know I'm the host, but, you know, we, we've talked about th before this past year, he, you know, was started in 44 of his 48 games. He's been a fringe RB1 year in and year out. But I, I want to talk a little bit about Joe Mixon because it's like either love him or hate him, right? Like this is the time of year every single year where we start to get a little bit excited. Um, Sam or Jeff, what do you guys think about Joe Mixon? I mean, is it fantasy fool's gold or is this the year that we finally get to see it? You go first, Sam. Uh, sure. I'm a huge Joe Mixon guy this year. Um, I, there's no reason why he shouldn't be able to make it well inside the top 12, if not even higher. Uh, Zach, or I think it was, I can't, I don't remember if it was Zach Taylor or the OC there, but they don't want him off the field. Gio Bernard is gone. Sure. Samaj P. Ryan's still there on a re-side contract, but how much is he really going to cut into Mixon's touches there? I think he's a lock. For 275 touches, he should get over that hump for catches that he's kind of struggled to get into before. And if he can stay healthy, there's no reason why with their somewhat upgraded offensive line that he should not be able to run for like 1,400 yards there and get at least 15, 50 catches. I see no problem with it. He's well inside my top 12. I love that. You know, early on, and I'm going to let you go next, Jeff. Early on, in, we did our Smash Except Listener League 1 and 2, and Joe Mixon went at RB16 and RB18 in those drafts. Crazy. What kind of value is that, and, and what are you thinking on Mixon? So I, I sent a tweet the other day. I, I think there's – I call it the Joe Mixon cycle. And so what happens is – you know, Mixon, he never quite gets to where we want him to be there. And he kind of feel you feel bad and you want a little bit more. And then he gets hurt. And then kind of the season ends and his value is so low through January, February. And then it ticks up and it climbs up all summer long, it seems like. And then by the time you get to your redraft leagues in August, everybody has talked themselves back into a first round pick, Joe Mixon. And then he, season starts and he's giving you 15 points a week. And, and so I just worry that we, we've we seen the lack of out of a first-round pick. You're kind of really hoping for those 30-point, 30 35-point week-winning weeks. 
Whereas he's a guy that kind of accumulates stats. I don't know. I, I just can't get there all the way on investing in him. And I do think that it just seems like every single offseason we see his value just climb up all through August and we convince ourselves this is the year he's going to be a bell cow. Um, they use that fourth round pick on Chris Evans out of Michigan. He could potentially take the Gio Bernard role. I worry that and there's been some news that the team really likes Samaje P. Ryan, that he's going to be more than just the handcuff that we assume he's going to be. We've just seen them use committee at the last couple of years more than what you'd really want to. And so it depends what time you buy Mixon. <laughs> and so that's the biggest thing. No, and, and I saw that tweet, and that's why I went that way. Is like I saw what the trend was in March, and it happens every single year. And we all we all convince ourselves, and Sam's on that train. I'm on that train. I keep drinking that Kool-Aid every single year right before we go into the regular season. Let's go on to Jeremy. You're up on the board here. Yeah, I mean, I'll take undervalued running backs for 400. Oh, okay. We're looking at Seattle running back who's oft injured every single year, seems to be a value. Who's your guy? Yeah, who is Chris Carson? And uh, I think that he is extremely undervalued at this moment. Um, last year, he finished as the RB19, but he only played in 12 games. And if you put his per game, which is about 15.7 in PPR leagues, he was RB14. Um, I think this year he was returning to Seattle. He's kind of the clear workhorse there. And I think it's they upgraded the offensive line a little bit with Gabe Jackson. And I just see him at least getting close to that 200 carry mark this year with an added game. Um, and if he can stay healthy, I just see – I mean, if you're getting him like – the DLF has him at RB23 right now. And I think he has the opportunity to finish, I think, top 15. I don't think he's going to get to 12, but I think he could be a high-end RB2 if he stays healthy. And that offense is humming. I mean, he's should see most of the work there. I think DJ Dallas isn't going to be much of an option behind him. And Rashard Penny has also proven that he can't stay healthy. So outside of those guys, there's not much there. So if Carson can stay healthy, I think that they're going to let him pretty much run the workload. And they've also come out and said that they want to get back to running the ball more than necessarily throwing the ball as much as they did the past couple of years. So if that happens, I mean, Chris Carson could be in line for 200 carries and, I mean, I think he can easily immense like that 1,200 yard mark area. And I think he can be top 15 for sure. And if you're getting him at 23, I think that's really good value. John, I got to ask you. So right now I'm seeing on Twitter, I'm seeing Chris Carson late first, early second. But if this guy gets injured, are we looking at another Turd Ferguson here? (laughs) Oh, love it. Yeah, we may have to keep the Celebrity Jeopardy references going throughout this this spot here. (laughs) Uh, but I, I actually love the Chris Carson one. No, I really do. And I actually have, have him on a number of teams. Super underrated. And I think he's a great RB2 to have on your team. Seattle loves him. And they're going to keep feeding him. They We already know that they're going to run the ball a lot more in Seattle. So I got to give some props there to, to Jeremy on that one. I really like that. Yeah, I, I agree as well. But I just had to get that reference in there. So let's move over to Sam. Sam, you're on the board here. Let me get undervalued RBs for 800. Ooh, sticking with the category here, as an Eagles fan, one of my favorite running backs. It finally goes out there. We get we get the Colts OC. Now all of a sudden, I'm hearing a lot of things. This running back is starting to lose some value, but you have him as an undervalue. I do, and who, the answer is who is Miles Sanders? I know it's getting hard to give like a little bit of like introduction <laughs> there. Like I don't have it all written, but go for it. <laughs> but the reason I love Miles Sanders so much, and it, it's well known at this point because I've just come out in the last couple of weeks screaming to go get Miles Sanders because he's dropped to now that now that the Eagles have drafted Kenny Gainwell and we brought in Nick Sirianni, who obviously employed a very committee style. Uh, approach over at Indianapolis with Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines and Jordan Wilkins and whoever else was in that backfield because there are a lot of names there. But um, with Miles Sanders, you really do have potential for a three down back. It really does. It really does depend how the, how Sirianni plans to use game on that offense. And you can make the fair argument that he's going to take away a good amount of targets from Sanders and Sanders kind of deserves that because he wasn't great in the past game last year. He in, in 
he went down from 2019 and 2019. He had uh, 50 catches on 63 targets for 509 yards and three touchdowns last year. That dropped all the way to 52 receptions on 52 targets or 28 receptions. Sorry for 197 yards and zero touchdowns. So that's a big drop off for him, but I see value in Sanders because I think he's not going to be much of a ceiling guy. He's going to give you a nice solid floor. He'll rush uh, 200 plus times because Doug Peterson didn't give him the workload that he should have gotten. He continued to mix in Boston Scott for some odd reason and Corey Clement even. But in the three game sample that we saw with Jalen Hurts last year, Sanders was very efficient. Um, he was very good. He played much better with Hurts than he was playing with Wentz. Uh, that's going to be more of defenses trying to figure out who's going to run the ball there. They don't know whether it's going to be Jalen or Sanders, which opens up some lanes. And then Miles has that huge home running home run hitting ability, three runs over 75 yards last year. So we're going to see more from Sanders here. And I think if you draft him where he's supposed to be in that kind of solid RB2 range, you're going to get him at a value because he's going near the end of that RB2 conversation. And I'd rather have him over guys like David Montgomery yeah, at that it's almost price. the exact opposite of Joe Mixon, right? Like we were looking at rounds, you know, end of the round two, beginning of round three in, in startups with Miles Sanders. And then all of a sudden, you know, they get Kenny Gainwell and carry on Johnson. And now like, I just saw, and these are your guys' mung, so I'm going to let you comment on this. But in a one-quarterback league, I just saw a Twitter poll that was winning 60-40 on the Trey Sermon, Trey Lance for Miles Sanders trade. Mung, what do you think? Yeah, I might take Sermon, you know, alone over Sanders at this point. I'm not, I'm not as uh, bullish on Nick Sirianni handing any one running back the workload. I mean, we saw how involved Naeem Hines and even Marlon Mack was before his injury last year. So I guess, you know, consider me off of that Sanders train. All right. Uh, Jeff, we're going to go to you next year. You can pick, you can, you can stay with the undervalued running backs and just jump on it, or we can move to a different category. Let's do it. Let's undervalued running backs for 600. I love your undervalued running back. Uh, we're looking at, you know, there's always been a committee there, but we're looking in New England. Who's the running back to own? My guy, Damian Harris. So he's landing, it. he's in running back three range. I think that they're, they bring in the two tight ends. That was the whole, their move in the off season. So my hope and my thought with Damian Harris is they go back to the future and they go back to when they had Aaron Hernandez and Rob Gronkowski. They used a lot of no huddle offense. And so if they do that, a lot of no huddle with the two tight ends, the different formations, the flexibility of Jonu Smith. If Damian Harris is the guy that's stuck on the field there as the, their main running back, you know, he was extremely productive last year in an offense that was not productive. He had five yards per carry, just under 700 yards. There's a chance they're leaning on the running game more with the defense being back, and I think he's going to be a guy that could really take off. Our man Vito, if you guys don't follow Vito Casino, hilarious guy. He put the the correct answer is Cam Newton. Uh, we can put that on there. No, I, I love that. I've been getting a lot of questions about Damian Harris, and he's been a guy that has just been completely undervalued, I think, on, on Twitter and you can get him for a second-round pick, and the the opportunity is there. I know Mung's a Ramondre Stevenson kind of guy, but we're not going to get into that because this podcast would just go forever. Uh, Mung, we're going to go to you as our returning champion here. Yeah, I'll take uh, the penis mightier. Uh, sorry, I mean undervalued running backs for 200. We'll close it out. Well played, well played. Yes, I mean, literally, the that was completely well played. The answer... Not so much, and I'm going to let you go with that. Who's your guy for 200? I'm going to take James Conner, who apparently his name is Mud. He's worth nothing. Uh, I offered him to a contending team for a couple third-round picks uh, last week, and the reply I got back is that he's not even worth a single third. Uh, James Conner was good last year. He couldn't stay healthy, but he was good. Uh, per player profiler, he was number seven in breakaway runs, number 15 in evaded tackles. He was an efficient runner, and we just know that the injury risk is there. But that, at this point, is more than baked into his cost. I mean, you can get him uh, some recent dynasty trades that I've seen. You know, a third-round pick uh, in redraft. He's going in the eighth, ninth, tenth round. And, you know, Kenyon Drake was the number 14 running back in PPR scoring last year in this offense. 
in that role. So, you know, we know that his, his health is a question, but the upside is there and the price doesn't really reflect that at this point. Totally agree. You know, I was in a, in a one quarterback rookie draft this past weekend and at 212, I didn't really like a lot of options there. I talked to the guy, I ended up buying James Conner for the 212 and, and I'm okay with that. You know, anything in that late second, third round, I mean, I think you're getting a great value there. And since you had the best pun with the penis mightier, I'm going to let you jump right back onto the board. All right, let's go with then. Uh, how about wide receivers outside the top twelve who could finish as a wide receiver? One, we'll we'll go for the home run for a thousand. And that is the dynasty dad daily double because that's my exact answer. You know, some of oh. you guys, what we were doing was the wide receiver, someone outside the top twelve who will be in the top twelve in dynasty ranks next year. That wide receiver for San Francisco for you is. Yeah, uh, who is Brandon Ayuk? Um, you guys know my Trey Lance love. We won't we won't go back into that and waste everybody's time. But uh, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo was a very timid quarterback. Uh, you know, when he was healthy for all 16 games two years ago, he was the third lowest in average intended air yards. Um, just second lowest last year, behind only Alex Smith, who was coming off of you know a life threatening leg injury. So we know Ayuk's dynamic in getting yards after the catch, but he doesn't have to rely on that once we see Trey Lance transition to the starting job. I have Ayuk projected as a strong wide receiver, too, in fantasy. I know target volume is a concern. We, we saw him produce last year uh, in large part without Kittle and Samuel on the field. Uh, but to make a comparison here, we saw Justin Jefferson finish as the as a fantasy wide receiver one, even with the Vikings being the sixth most run heavy team last year. So I do think that a bump in efficiency could, uh, could make Ayuk a wide receiver one this year. I think a top 10 finish is within his range of outcomes, especially with San Francisco's strength of schedule being one of the easiest as an added bonus in the fantasy playoffs, they get Atlanta, Tennessee, and Houston. Dude, I, I love this format of this episode because you guys are literally dropping dimes. Like, literally, you guys are hitting home runs with these takes and backing them up. And, uh, you know, it's just been fantastic start. We're going to move over to you, Jeff, here. Who's the bell going to toll for? My guy is going to be Deontay Johnson. So who is Deontay Johnson? So Deontay Johnson led the Steelers in targets last year with 144. He had a, a big share. Juju was second with 128, and then Claypool was like 109. So John, uh, Deontay Johnson had 10 games that he was at least 10 targets. And so he had a couple games in there that were just real stinkers. But at the same time, he smashed on so many of the, these games. He just eats volume. And so I kind of expect it to come to – Keep going. If he has a, that real breakout season, he's been right on the precipice, and he was almost there last year. And people still talk more about the drops than anything, but a player that gets that many targets is going to have a handful of drops as well. If Juju Smith finally leaves in free agency, then I think that he's really going to take off, and he is my choice as a guy that's going to emerge as a young wide receiver who's eating kind of that um, Antonio Brown role that we've seen just create fantasy goodness in the offense in the past. Fantastic. You extra points for incorporating the word smash in there. You know, I, I felt like in the offseason, it was by Juju because he's leaving, by Deontay because he's going to get increased targets. Juju comes back, and now we're just kind of like, oh, well, let's move on to the next team. You know, and, and I feel like both of them are a solid buy right now. I mean, Deontay Johnson's going to keep getting peppered. And I'm seeing Juju go for 22 firsts, r random 22 firsts. Let's not forget, you know, that. He only signed a one-year deal. He can get out next year and, and test the free agent market again. And I think both players are, are great fits. Deontay Johnson's a guy that in every off and every startup I did, I've been getting him as my wide receiver four, and I love it. So great one. Moving over to you, Sam. Who's your guy here? Uh, I'm gonna take who is Cortland Sutton from uh, from Denver. I'm glad and you I'm glad you changed from your original <laughs> answer. I was like, I, I am too. <laughs> I, I realized it a little bit ago, but um, with Cortland Sutton. You don't get the full story with him because everyone everyone despises Drew Locke. And, and I get that Drew Locke has not been great. But he still has managed to make Cortland Sutton look like an absolute star when he was healthy. Uh, back in 2019, you know, 70, 72 catches on almost 130 targets for 1,100 yards. 
Uh, that's that's wide receiver one numbers right there. And Cortland Sutton is just built like an alpha. I know Jerry Judy's there, and I know the wide receiver room is packed. But with Cortland Sutton, you really get the guy who can go catch anything. And I'm I'm a huge Mike Evans fan, so that the reason the, I'm kind of moving as Mike Evans is to Cortland Sutton, like Chris Goblin's to Jerry Judy here. So I really like a guy who can go down and make almost any catch outside the numbers down the field on your hair, hail Mary balls. And you really look for a guy who can do anything like that because they'll always produce numbers. As long as they have a quarterback who can chuck the ball down the field to them. And whether it's Drew Locke, as long as it's not Teddy Bridgewater, I'm all over Cortland Sutton because he's shown that he can produce. He got dealt a bad end of the stick. He got injured in game one uh, out for the season, but he's going to come right back. He's being drafted as wide receiver 29 right now. Uh, that is He's got so much upside, and you know he may not make it into the top 12 immediately, but I have him right outside my top 15, and I would not be shocked if he puts the extra step in. Yeah, I love that. Um, you know, we were talking about this last week's episode on how to properly rebuild. And when Cortland Sutton went down, you know, I went out and I bought him everywhere mm-hmm. on the rebuilding teams because, you know, people give up quickly. And, He's only 24. And, and I know, and they mm-hmm. forget about it. And I know, you know, it just seems like last year where Nick Whalen was just going off about him and it was like, this is the guy you got to have and his measurables. And, you know, it's still in his youth, guy that we're trying to get. Jeremy. I know we, we've gotten away from all my horrible like introductions. So who is your guy outside the wide receiver 12 that you believe will be top 12 next year? Still form it in the phrases of a question because, you know, Dynasty Dad Trebek's been struggling here. Yeah, and mine is who is Terry McLaurin? I am going to say I'm extremely high on Terry McLaurin this year. I had him. He came in as wide receiver 20 in PPR last year. However, he did miss a game. And on his per game average, which was about 14.9, if he did have one more game that he scored at least that 14.9, he would have finished as wide receiver 15. So he would have been just outside of the wide receiver 12 range. And you're looking at a team that has gotten, I think personally, like an extreme upgrade for wide receivers at quarterback. Um, Like Mung had said before, Alex Smith was here with a very like kind of dump and think and dive. And we saw that with JD McKissick last year who came on and was a great waiver ad for a lot of teams there. But I think with Ryan Fitzpatrick, he's not afraid. I mean, he has nothing to lose. I mean, he's on us. He's just always done it his entire career. He doesn't care. He's got his helmet ripped sideways, not even looking through the ear hole and just slings it down the field. And this is going to be great for Terry McLaurin, I think. And I think he's produced these numbers with, very sub average quarterbacks. And now you're getting at least we can call, I think we can all agree Ryan Fitzpatrick's at least average NFL level quarterback. So I just think that McLaurin's just to the moon at this moment. I think that he easily can reach that top 10 range personally. Um, And I just think they added a couple other wide receiver weapons that could possibly like draw that coverage away from him now too. So he most likely won't have to face double coverage, but he's produced these numbers on pretty much double coverage and being the only option. So everything that they've done in Washington just adds up to more and more me enjoying Terry McLaurin. And I think he, he goes late in drafts. I mean, he's going fourth or fifth round in startups. And I think he has the potential to be that wide receiver one. Jeff, I know I'm kind of jumping in on this, but there's a guy there. You kind of jumped a little bit when he said Ryan Fitz Fitzpatrick's at least an average quarterback. I'm not jumping the gun, but that might be your super flex deal. That might just be my super flex steal. I don't know if I can jump in here and say super flex steal for 400. Let's do it. it. But but Ryan Fitzpatrick, so Ryan Fitzpatrick right now, he's kind of looked at as a guy that is a stopgap in Washington, but they don't have a young guy on that roster that is banging down the door. And they they made the playoffs last year. If they make the playoffs again with – he jumps forward, you know, he's 38. And so – we saw Drew Brees play till he's 42. We've seen Tom Brady still going. It seems like quarterbacks just keep going a little bit older and older. There's a chance that while we're thinking this, this is a one-year stopgap rental, maybe we get three or four years out of starting quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick. The weapons that they've added in Washington, you know, Antonio Gibson in the backfield, Jeremy did a great job talking about Terry McLaurin. They bring in Curtis Samuel. I love Diami Brown that they took in the draft. Logan Thomas is just emerging. We could be in a position where you can get almost nearly for free a veteran quarterback that gives you three or four years, and we've seen when he started, he's been right on the edge of quarterback one we've seen in the past, whereas a 
in Superflex, lock it and load it quarterback two if he's going to be the starting quarterback. Now, what I, after being on 19 different teams, and, and I'm rooting that all kinds of quarterbacks, you know, that opt out and that he makes his first Pro Bowl so he's Hall of Fame eligible because I want to see the beard in the Hall of Fame. That's it. Yeah. That is it. Um, you know, Jeremy and I saw him, I guess, you know, in Buffalo where he wasn't quite as cool. Now he is that cool guy. And we're going to move it over. Actually, I'm just going to keep flowing with it. But, Mung, that, that leads into your super flex steal. Yeah, and mine is uh, who is Taylor Heineke? I think at the next commercial break, Jeff and I will get into the boxing ring. Um, we'll go a couple rounds. But uh, for me, look, I, I love the story and the hype of Fitzmagic as much as anyone else. I love the Conor McGregor meme of him at the podium. Absolutely love it. But there's a reason that Fitzpatrick's been a journeyman quarterback his entire career. You know, even if we think he's somehow turned the corner since he left the Jets a few years ago, the last four years, he's thrown 57 touchdowns to 36 interceptions. That's not good. That's a 40% interception rate. And, you know, it's fun to watch him scramble. Um, he powers his way into the end zone. But like Jeff said, he's 38 years old. I don't think his body is going to take that for much longer. Whether it's due to injury or poor performance, I expect to see Taylor Heineke on the field starting for Washington at some point in 2021. Now, I'm not a Heineke truther. He went undrafted, bounced around, was even in the XFL, but I'd rather take my chances on a 28-year-old Heineke over a 38-year-old Fitzpatrick, especially when Heineke kept it pretty close against Tampa Bay, a top-five defense in the playoffs last year, only lost by one score, so... For me, I'd rather take a shot on Heineke for a third than Fitzpatrick for a second in Superflex. Jeff, I, I see you want to rebuttal on that one. Why not both? So I actually wrote up, um, the last thing I wrote up for Fantasy Pros was looking at undervalued Superflex quarterbacks, quarterback sleepers, and I included Heineke in that article. I think you make a lot of great points. He, he could very well. Even in camp, he could take the job from Fitzpatrick. You know, we – we don't know. And Ron Rivera clearly likes him. They didn't bring in anybody uh, other that could be a competition. And, you know, Kyle Allen, I just, I don't think that's happening. So it could be a, a type of thing where you acquire both of them for a relatively low price and you really lock in there if Heineke wins the job and he's the guy, or if Fitzpatrick's going to give you a quarterback here for a year or two. Yeah. And you might be able to hedge your bet there. I mean, likely that team might actually, I mean, if they have both of them there and you are, Fitzpatrick's been going for a mid to late second, you get a mid to late second and a third and get both of them. I mean, that would be a great, great move there. Now, John, I get Taysom Hill, Jameis Winston, right? I agree with right. that. Oh, now you, now you just, you just threw another one in there. Sam, you got my man. I've always been a famous Jameis guy. Who is your super flex deal? We just keep, we have so many like seven degrees of Kevin Bacon going around here. So let's go with it. <laughs> so obviously another one, another battle that could really go either way. We know Sean Payton's not going to say who's the starter until he makes his decision and he wants everyone else to know it's not going to leak. Um, look, if Jameis Winston is the one who's actually a quarterback here, are we really going to pretend that Taysom Hill is more than kind of a glorified running back who can throw the ball. Uh, I mean, Julian Edelman did the same thing at Kent State, but he was a wide receiver his entire career. You know, some people are just not meant to be quarterbacks, and Taysom Hill was not great at college at BYU. Uh, Jameis Winston was the guy who won the Heisman. He was the guy who was the first overall pick. He's the guy who's been in the NFL since 2015 throwing passes and interceptions, a lot of them. But above all... Sean Payton wants to transition from Drew Brees naturally. And he wants a guy that can really make the offense go. I just don't think Taysom Hill is that guy. I think he interferes way too much with Alvin Kamara's development. Uh, and in the one game that, or the really limited appearance that we saw from Jameis, he corked a very nice touchdown throw. So, I can't really go and say that I think Taysom's going to win this competition. They're making just about the same amount of money uh, after you boil down what Taysom's fake $140 million contract is. It really, they really both boil down to like a one-year $12 million deal. Mm -hmm. So it really just makes sense that you, he, Sean Payton would go with the established quarterback, the guy who's played the position for years. Uh, I see no reason why it shouldn't be Jameis Winston over Taysom Hill here. 
Now, John, you know, you and I were like, you know, the Lion King taught us about the circle of life. So if Tim Tebow's back making that transition to tight end, (laughs) somebody has to make the transition from tight end to quarterback. Did we just just go from the Lion King to Tim Tebow? You know, we're we're all over the place and I love it. I like that, actually. You and I were, were buying up. Michael Thomas shares, and obviously Michael Thomas would benefit a little bit more from Jameis Winston, obviously, than Taysom Hill. Um, I got three options here for you moving forward. I mean, do we want to go with your super flex deal for a thousand? Do we want to go with your wide receiver outside the top twelve, or do you want to go with S words for or we go swords for five hundred? I messed it up. No, I, I like it. Uh, let's go with my super flex deal here. But I, I actually have a question for you, Alex. You know who I like getting for really cheap? Your mother, Trebek. It. Your mother. Oh, we also would have accepted that's right. That's right, Sean Ruff. Connery. <laughs> <laughs> this is a family show. I apologize for that one. No, um, I'm, I'm sure your mother's a sweet lady. Um, she is. So, no, Dorothy look, I. Tooth is a saint. <laughs> Sorry, wrong. wrong Lots show, of references wrong now. Yeah. Just <laughs> rapid fire. No, mine is uh, Mac Jones. And I, I still am shocked to see how late this guy is going in rookie drafts. Super flex drafts, Mac Jones can still be had a lot of times in the second round, even in like expert mock drafts that I've seen or real drafts in some cases. And I, I've actually gotten him now in a couple of drafts ranging from kind of the late first to early second. I just think that everything is set up perfectly for Mac Jones here. And he. <laughs> We're already getting some early signs from practice. Like this guy knows all the plays. He's accurate. He's he's kind of like in command, and he's just like a few days in. But I just like we've talked about on some of the previous pods. They the whole system is completely built and has been for years for a guy like Mac Jones to run kind of that call it Tom Brady offense, yeah. and. They invested heavily to bring some weapons in. Who knows? Maybe they go out and get Julio. That would be absolutely incredible. But uh, I, I just am, am surprised. I mean, frankly, the floor for Mac Jones is is arguably higher than some of the other rookie QBs. And as we heard from none other than Matt Waldman, we heard the ceiling could be as high as Peyton Manning. So yep. that, that to me I, is for sure just a steal, getting him as late as you can currently in rookie drafts. I've been scooping him up. He's that guy that's getting disrespected, and I've been getting him late first, early second. That was the Dynasty Dad daily double there because that was my guy as well. You know, Mac Jones is just jumping up there. And he looked quite sexy wearing that number 50 jersey. I don't know if you guys saw that at practice. Like, these numbers are just blowing me away. You know, seeing like a linebacker jersey, you know, that isn't going to happen, but that was just kind of a little bit of hazing. Uh, Jeremy, let's go with you. Anything on the board here, whichever one you want to talk about. Yeah, I think I'll just round out the uh, super flex steals. And I'm going to actually talk about Kirk Cousins, former Washington quarterback, but now in Minnesota. And I think that his ADP currently is quarterback 22, and it's the 60th overall in super flex drafts, according to DLF. So in put that in retrospect, last year he finished as QB 11, year before was QB 18, and in 18 it was QB 13. So I feel like at his current ADP, that he just seems like a steal to me. Like if you're getting him as a QB 23, I still think he's going to finish close to, I don't know if he's going to get 11 again. I feel like Justin Jefferson just went off last year and that definitely helped him. And they had a lot of, I believe they had high percentage touchdowns too with Thielen and um, Jefferson had a decent amount too. So I don't know if they're going to necessarily reproduce that as it is kind of a run heavy offense. However, I do think top 15 is easily obtainable for Kirk Cousins and me grabbing him at quarterback 22. Honestly, he probably is on 95% of my dynasty rosters, especially super flex because of that. He just, he's so cheap and yet the disrespect is just all over the fantasy community. Just, and yeah, he's not like a big name or like a stellar athlete of any sorts, but I mean, this guy just constantly produces. He's accurate. He, I don't know. I mean, he kind of, you kind of ride a wave at times. You have like a three point, or if you played in uh, Scott Fishbowl, you had like negative 10 points, but he also gives you weeks that he has 30. So 
I just I like Kirk Cousins where he's going. I'm not gonna like overpay for Kirk Cousins, but I just like where he's at. I think his ADP is great, and I think he's gonna outperform that. So that's where I'm coming from. Yeah, I like that. I mean, I, I'm answering hundreds of Twitter questions a week when it comes to superflex and things like that, and and I I suggest Kirk Cousins a lot, and I can tell they always give me the yeah okay, Dad. Like you know, Kirk Cousins is that boring guy. You know, he's just straight vanilla everything, um, and and but he gets it done. He's a cheap. Super flex quarterback, great super flex steal there. Sam, why don't we move on to, uh, since we're just kind of moving all over the place, why don't we go to our biggest trade targets here? Um, why don't we go with you? All right, so who is Antonio Gibson? And, and that's this, my favorite trade target as well. Another Dynasty Dad double. You know, like so, John and I talk about him. Every, John's going nuts up there. But we do it every single week. We give, we give John an opportunity to say the word Antonio Gibson. So before you go, Sam, go ahead, John. Uh, Sam, you and I, I we're vibing already. I, I think we may need to get him on another couple pods. Maybe we, maybe we have an Antonio Gibson just dedicated pod. Think about it. Think about it. No, I, I, I actually like what I'm hearing on Antonio Gibson. And I don't want to steal any of your thunder here, but it does look like they do want to feature him more in the passing game. And it sounds like he's starting to tighten up his pass blocking, keeps him on the field a bit more. So the the workload is definitely, in my opinion, for sure going up. We have a stronger QB at the helm too. And so take it away, Swagman. What do you got? So for me with Antonio Gibson, it's more of the fact that nobody expects J.D. McKissick to get uh, – what was it over a hundred targets again? There's just no reason that he should be getting that kind of volume. When you have Antonio Gibson who literally played more wide receiver than he did running back at Memphis. Uh, It makes so much sense to put him in that featured role. Peyton Barber is dead and done. Bryce love is off recovering from probably another injury somewhere. Uh, Poor guy, honestly, awful, awful to see that he should have gotten off the ground, but Antonio Gibson is my favorite is my favorite trade target because there's he's going as the RB15 in drafts right now. He should be going as the RB8. There are only seven guys ahead of him that I would take. Uh you know, there's there's guys like Cam Akers and DeAndre Swift. I would take Gibson ahead of both of them and that's a little controversial, but Given the fact that Antonio Gibson only has to fade a 29-year-old J.D. McKissick, who's absolutely not going to get the same volume as he did last year, it makes all the more sense that Antonio Gibson should be able to break out. He only rushed for a little under 800 yards last year. That number should be able to get up to 1,000 if he's able to maintain his stellar 4.7 yards per carry. Uh, He only had 170 carries, so... Uh, I think he should have more than that. This is going to be a better offense than it was last year. Again, with Ryan Fitzpatrick instead of Alex Smith, obviously comes more production, right? So we're going to see more of Washington with a lead this year, which means more attempts for Antonio Gibson and more chances for him to get the ball. So there's re- my fav- he's one of my favorite guys. I own him in... I think nearly 70% of my of my leagues at this point, which is like 15 or 16 leagues, so probably like 11 or 12 leagues. So I, I love Antonio Gibson, and I'm so big on him breaking out this year. I love it. I've been making offers everywhere. Uh, Jeremy, you know, in the league that we're in the, the UDPL2, and essentially I gave up Kamara for Jalen Hurts and Antonio Gibson, ended up making a big swing on there. because That's a great I, trade. I think Gibson's a guy that's going to be a top 12 running back this year, so that's a great one. Um, I know you've already alluded to him, Jeff, but who's your biggest trade target across all your leagues? My biggest trade target right now, Jonu Smith out of New England. So I think that many casual fans, they kind of look at it as, well, they've got two tight ends. They're just going to split the workload and he's not going to be anything. I'm of the belief that he is going to be the focal target in the passing game, which is huge for a tight end, a tight end that can come in and be the guy that leads them in targets. Um, I, I pulled some numbers. Aaron Hernandez in their old offense, he was averaging eight targets per game. Janu was tight in five through the beginning of the season, and he was on doing that on six and a half targets per game. So if he's at, get that volume to get up to the six and a half to eight targets, we've already seen him produce for overextended period of the time. So, I mean, he could very easily crack the top 
easily a tight end one, if not in top five tight end. Yeah, he's got the skill set there. I know Mung and I have been talking about him a lot for a while. Uh, Mung, who's your biggest trade target? You and I have been talking about it for a while, but drop it out there and and maybe some some deals that you've been seeing. Yeah, I mean Jeff and I will fight over Washington, but we'll hug it out over Janu. Uh, love love that Janu take. Um, so for my biggest trade target, I'm going to go with who is Deshaun Watson. We've talked about him at length. Uh, I have an article up on Fantrax if you want my full thoughts on that situation. But the bottom line is that he starts somewhere in week one of 2022 at the very latest. Um, I think he could even play in 2021. Uh, probably not in Houston. We'll see what happens with that situation because there is still the risk that he'll sit out um, to force a trade. So not necessarily a target for contending teams, but He's a top 10 dynasty quarterback who can be acquired at a very big discount in some leagues right now. Um, I looked up, uh, you know, using DLF's trade finder tool, some great, a great tool. Some steals are happening for Watson. I saw him go for the 111 plus the 211 in a super flex league. I saw Watson plus Mixon for Barkley and Goff. Uh, I saw Watson move for the 107 and Jordan Love. So, you know, people are starting to wise up a bit. We're seeing some uh, some rumors here and there, reports that they may settle eventually. And if that happens, it's just a matter of when, not if, that his Dynasty Valley bounces back. Yeah, one of our listeners messaged me and said, hey, man, check this out. I listened to what you and Mung said last week about Watson. I traded Zach Wilson and DJ Chark for Deshaun Watson and his own 23 first back and he's doing that rebuild and like that's how you win I mean like you're not losing a ton with with Wilson you're not losing a ton with Shark you get a first you get you know you get Deshaun Watson who's instantly we don't like what he's done supposedly we, we, we literally he's going to be a top 10 quarterback immediately so love that going from you know a rebuilding type of guy to John your guy you you were rookie fever John now you're win now John and your win now guy is who who is Derrick Henry? Actually, put him in my thread um, for for contenders. Uh, I've just looked at his ADP, and it's as low as it's been in a long time. And so, what what that tells me is people are selling. There, they they see him ticking up in the age. Obviously, he does have some mileage there. But look, I think that he could potentially be a league winner. And and I, you know put my money where my mouth is. I did, I traded for him on the clock in, a, in the smash listener league. And it's actually a points per carry league. And as you know, I, my roster is built to win early on. And, and I do plan to win early on, come, by the way. Oh, we'll see. This. Well, King Henry is definitely increased my chances dramatically in that league. Even if you just look at the projections, he's projected to be like a top 10 overall player in, in that, which is in its super flex. So um, look for those kind of opportunities when everyone else is kind of selling a, a guy like that. And if you're competing in a one, two, maybe three year window, I think Derrick Henry is still going to eat for the next couple of seasons. And so I know we talk a lot about rookie drafts and rebuilds last pod, but if, if you're competing now, look for opportunities like that. And you're going to get them for about as cheap, about, about as good a value as we've seen on this in multiple seasons. So strike on those kind of opportunities. Yeah, and I mean, most of our rookie drafts are done because we're degenerates. But there's a lot of people out there, obviously, yeah. they still have rookie drafts. And, and target those teams with rookie fever. I mean, you'd be surprised what you could do. Right. I, saw, I saw in one of, my, one of my drafts, you know, you guys, I saw that, that big trade I made. I traded the 101, 102, yeah. 103 on the clock. You know, and I ended up getting Kelsey, Hopkins, Robinson, and the 108. Unreal. Like, it's unreal. In my mind. But then yeah. that guy ended up, he had Derrick Henry too, and he's like, well, what the heck? I'm in a full rebuild, right? Traded Derrick Henry for the 107, like one quarterback league. You know, so we're like, Come that on. is something that you just, you know, you never know. And, smash, and those are baby. the ways to do it. That's a smash except right there. Now, a little bit of prediction here. So we got to pick our rookie of the year. So I'm going to start with you. Um, Sam, yours is yours is the the outlier one, the exciting one, the guy that everybody talks about. Who are you going with? Uh, I'm going with Kyle Pitts, and you know it, it's not a, it's not a cool choice. It's, it's the very chalk. It's it's I would say it's chalk right now with with all the Julio Jones rumors, and it, it his odds are sure to tank after that. Uh, last I saw it was plus eight hundred. 
I don't know what it is now, but uh, I would assume it's something lower. But Kyle Pitts will immediately step into the Julio Jones type role. I would be shocked if they didn't plan to use Pitts as a wide receiver tight end hybrid type of role where he splits out wide for a good amount of plays each game because he's 6'6", 240. He moves like a wide receiver. The guy runs a 4'4". He can beat double coverage. He did it plenty of times in Florida. So it would not shock me to see Kyle Pitts have over 1,000 yards, breaking Mike Ditka's 50-year-old record uh, his first year. It it really wouldn't shock me. That's what it's going to take to win Rookie of the Year because obviously it's – Obviously, it's shifted towards quarterbacks. Justin Jefferson got 1,400 yards last year, didn't win it, was robbed, which is what drove me away from my homer pick, which has been Devontae Smith since the Eagles drafted him. But I switched over to Kyle Pitts just because there is a good chance that Pitts just absolutely dominates in the red zone. Uh, I'm talking possibility of 10-plus touchdowns and a very heavy passing offense with him and Calvin Ridley as the main focal points. Uh, You could see Pitts do some damage. I dig it. I dig it. Um, Speaking of of digging a guy here, you know, I know there was a little bit of of quarrel there between Jeff and Mung. But, Jeff, your guy, I don't know if you saw it on Twitter, but he actually went on vacation with Mung to Florida. You know, who's your pick for the rookie of the year? It's got to be Trey Lance. So, you know, we're, we're, we're buying odds here. And if you can get him as the the biggest thing when you're going to make a bet, shop around, find the best odds. But you can find him as the quarterback three in terms of best odds to win rookie of the year. Sam mentioned that quarterback, this is a quarterback award. You know, they, they want to give the quarterback and the talent that is there around San Francisco, he could come in, win the job. They could, they could go 14 and three very easily. This team was in the Super Bowl two years ago. And if he does that, he's going to capture the imagination and he's just a fantastically fun player. You know, the Konami quarterback that we always talk about. So I think he's going to be able to put numbers up. If he's winning 13, 14 games, then I, I think he's going to run away with the award. And then we're, we're going to switch that over. I mean, John, that's your guy as well. Anything to add? Yeah. You know, even if he doesn't necessarily start the first couple of games, I think there is a chance he does. When it starts to matter, I do believe that Trey Lance will be the starter, especially down the stretch. And if they, let's say they make a run, hit the playoffs, he's going to be so hyped at that point. And I just love all of the weapons in the Shanahan offense. And he was also, by the way, my my trade target um, for you know my true dynasty teams. I've been trying to trade up for him. Uh, have him on most of my rosters. I'm so pumped. I know Monk, he's your guy as well, but you're still somehow, even in Superflex, I've seen him available at like 105, 106. Come on, people. You got to be taking Trey Lance. We had Ryan McDowell on on the pod. I saw a tweet from Ryan where he's kind of coming around to try Trey Lance potentially as a first round pick in a startup, which I, I was like, okay, okay. So some people are getting it, but I'm with Jeff here, uh, especially if I'm place in a bet. And I think I will, after Jeff's answer, put a little bit of money down on Trey Lance winning rookie of the year. Yeah. So the interesting thing is you've been trading up to get Trey Lance, you know, and I wait till those first couple quarterbacks go. And I I've been trading up mm-hmm. to get, to get this guy who Mung did not vote for Trey Lance. He went with the guy that I'm buying everywhere. He's going to get 275 touches. He's going to kill it this year. Mung, the answer to that is, yeah, who's Najee Harris? Um, you know, if we're if we're talking about Vegas bets, it's probably going to be a quarterback for Rookie of the Year on offense. Uh, but if we're talking about our fantasy teams, the one guy who is guaranteed to start Week One and see a ton of work is Najee Harris, right? Uh, Kyle Pitts certainly could if they do move on from Julio Jones, but as of right now, Harris is the guaranteed guy who's going to get a ton of touches, even with the Steelers' questions on the offensive line. We know they've got a declining Roethlisberger. They threw it a ton last year. They don't want to do that this year. He's going to get a ton of rushes, a ton of catches as well. Uh, he's a prime candidate to be a top 10 running back in 2021. Now, Jeremy, you know, they're, they're taking the high-risk bets here. You and I went with the sure thing. And speaking of bets on sure things, so we're going to talk about Trevor Lawrence. Did you guys see the Vegas bet that they posted that a man bet – I, I believe it was $58,000 to win $28 for them to be the 101. Like, it was just this 
insane bet. I don't know the exact numbers, but I mean, he was betting tens of thousands of dollars that Trevor Lance would go to the Jaguars, and he ended up winning like between like twenty and fifty dollars. But that's the kind of that's the kind of bet that I don't really want to make. But Trevor Lawrence is the easy bet here, in my opinion, Jeremy, for Rookie of the Year. Yeah, and I mean, I would totally agree with you. I think that. I like the argument you guys are making with Trey Lance having a lot of weapons around him, but I think the argument could be made that Trevor Lawrence has better ones in my personal opinion. I mean, DJ Chark's a proven thousand yard wide receiver. LaVishka Chenault is a utility Swiss army knife. You have James Robinson who came on last year and was an undrafted free agent who rushed for a thousand yards. You have Travis Etienne who is Trevor Lawrence's go-to running back in college. I mean, I think Trevor Lawrence is set up, to have a phenomenal year. And I think personally of all the quarterbacks, I think he's the one that's best guaranteed to be a possible QB one this year. I personally am not as high as Trey Lance as obviously the rest of you guys are. And probably the rest of the community is, I just didn't see enough from Trey Lance in college to prove to me that, I mean, he looks good. I just know that in North Dakota state, most of his games, I mean, he was a heavy run type quarterback that didn't throw as much. And I just think Trevor Lawrence has since day one, proven that he can throw for 3000 plus yards. he, I mean, he has his own struggles. He's not perfect by any means, but I just feel like Trevor Lawrence has kind of been the face of this class, and I think that the NFL is just going to kind of go that way. And just like we said, as a quarterback award, and I just think Trevor Lawrence is going to, if he has half the season, that, or I think that he can have just as good of a season as Trey Lance, and then they're going to give Trevor Lawrence over Trey Lance, in my opinion. I love it. We got one more question here, and this is an interesting one because, you know, we got that the, the big three. Obviously, you know, you got Kittle, Kelsey, and, and Waller. And when it comes to 2021, I mean, that's everyone's top three. That's that's where you got to have them. And we're not going to debate those three, you know, because John and I are just going to let all of you guys know that it's still Travis Kelsey. But outside those top three, who is your bet to be the fourth highest point scorer? So if you can't have one of those three, who's going to be the top point scorer for the tight end position. Going to start with you, John. Who is Tim Tebow? Yes! Woo! <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm sure that, obviously, that's everyone's answer, so I'll give another answer. Uh, but my in all seriousness, TJ Hawkinson. I'm really pumped about Hawk. I, I really, it's like we forget with all the Kyle Pitts hype, Hawkinson went number eight overall in the draft. And I think it's very clear to me, at least, he looks like he's going to be the top receiving target in Detroit, certainly their top red zone weapon. And I don't know if you all know this, but in terms of vacated targets, number one in the league from last season, 313 vacated targets. So uh, he's, he's got the pedigree. He's got the talent, super athletic. He, he's always going to be on the field. He's a mean blocker as well. And the Detroit staff, I think they were just – talking about uh, describing him as an ascending player. They said there's a lot, plenty of meat on the bone, a lot more that they're planning to get out of Hawkinson. So I, I expect him to take a major step this year, and I think he could be that next tight end after the big three and, of course, Tim Tebow. And, John, you, you know, I mean, that was the most excited I got all last year was when I started ranting and raving for like seven minutes straight about TJ Hawkinson. So I'm not even going to add mine. You guys know Hawkinson was mine. It was also Sam's. Sam, anything to add to that? Uh, not much. John caught most of it. Um, the only thing I want to add is look at the people around him. Quintet Cephas, Rashad exactly. Perriman, Tyrell Williams. I mean – De DeAndre Swift is probably going to be the number two uh, most targeted guy on that team. That would be my guess. Um, TJ Hawkinson just brings a three down tight end skill set. Like John said, he's a mean blocker. He's big and he's not fast or anything. You know, he's 265 pounds, but he's going to, he's going to move the chains and he should definitely be in line for at least a hundred targets, if not more this year. Love it. Love it. Now we kind of did a little bit of a, a flip there, a little role reversal because we, you were saying he was going to your rookie of the year, Jeff, for you, it, it, it's Kyle Pitts as early as 2021. Absolutely. So they still have Hayden Hurst there to do the tight end duties. If they are moving Julio Jones out, what are you, you going to have this guy do that you use the fourth overall pick on? You're going to have him worry about becoming an inline blocking tight end, or are you going to break him free, use him as a primary target in the offense, and allow Hayden Hurst to take over those things? 
allow Pitts to grow into that true traditional tight end role. But right now, let's use him as a receiver. Let's get him out there. Let's make sure we show our fans and we show everybody that that we don't want to get fired, lose our job. Let's feed Kyle Pitts. We used a great pick on the fourth overall pick. The ceiling is just to be one of those top tight ends is just so low that if he is in that role, he could crack it. Love that. I I really do. And I'm really coming around on that. You know, that's something where – to me, it, it felt dirty taking a tight end in the first round. You know, like we don't do that in rookie drafts. You know, it's just something that we've harped on for years, but it, it, it just feels right now. You know what I mean? Um, somebody who really was up in that same kind of atmosphere whose dynasty value has really dropping off. Jeremy, who's the guy that you think has the best option to become that tight end for? Yeah, and who is Mark Andrews? I still believe in Mark Andrews. I think last year, if you go on a points-per-game basis, which if you've noticed in most of my answers, I kind of like that over a season total. I mean, he was tight end four. I think that no matter what, I feel like I'm going with the proven guy who has been there. And I think that Mark Andrews last year, we saw Lamar Jackson was kind of just that whole offense as far as a passing game goes was pretty off. And I expect a bounce back from Lamar. And I also just feel like they added more weapons. And now again, defenses can't just target on Andrews and use like, and that will open it up for Mark Andrews. But also that is that he's their touchdown red zone guy. I mean, even bringing in Bateman, Bateman's not a super tall guy. Tylen Wallace, again, another short type receiver. Sammy Watkins isn't that great at the red zone so mark andrews is going to be their go-to passing downs in the red zone and i think for me touchdowns are king for tight ends and that's usually who propels up here for example robert tunyon he basically ascended here based on a very high touchdown percentage so i think mark andrews sees that again and i think that he easily should be able to finish that tight end four i like it and the last one, a little bit more, you know, out there, a guy that I know we, we've we've talked about extensively on the podcast, but someone who's a little bit under the radar here, Monk. Yeah, look, TJ Hawkinson, love him. Mark Andrews, Kyle Pitts. Those are, you know, the, the strong choices that I would bet on if I had to put money down. Uh, but those guys are going to cost you a first round pick plus in Dynasty. They're going to cost you, you know, a fourth through seventh round pick in redraft. The guy that I want here, who is Anthony Ferkser, right? In Dynasty, you can get him for a late second, maybe in a third-round rookie pick. Um, in redraft, you can get him in the 11th, 12th, 13th round. So at cost, he's my guy. Uh, we saw Logan Thomas shock everyone with a top-five tight end finish last year because he was the number-two receiving option on a Washington team that was devoid of receiving talent. And Ferkser's in a similar position this year with Jonu Smith and Corey Davis gone. The Titans' defense and secondary is still a mess, which is going to precipitate more passing than in years past. And look, Ferkser isn't some athletic marvel. He's not Gronk, and he's not going to dominate people. But he was great in limited action last year. In 2020, he ranked fifth among tight ends in targets per snap, and he ranked fifth in yards per out run behind only Kelsey, Kittle, Andrews, and Waller. He's one of my favorite late-round targets here. Give me Anthony Ferkser. I love it. That's another good answer there. Um, just tallying the, the totals here of your guys' answers, we have an absolute five-way tie, making every single game purpose of this pointless. But the content was fantastic. You guys took over. You know, I'm sitting here worried about trying to come up with some, some ways to introduce it. But you guys absolutely killed it. Um, I'm going to actually have to award an extra 2,000 points to John here because he, he crossed that plateau. So, John, a little acceptance speech before I go to everybody else. Wow, thank you. No, this was uh, this was a lot of fun, and uh, I just wanted to to thank everyone else that came on. Some really respected analysts here on the, uh, but hey, you know this is what we're about, Mike. And again, uh, it's it's all about having fun. It's about building each other up. And I, my message out is, hey, spread a little love out there today. Go find a couple other accounts that you like that you're getting something, and go tell them, and maybe hype them up a little bit. And and, and, you know, the same goes for me. Let me know what you what I can do to help you guys out. You can find me at Dynasty underscore trades. And I'm just going to say, number one highlight of all of my Twitter kind of experience so far was was winning this this Smash Accept Jeopardy show. No question. He's, and, and Mung was our pinnacle. You know, right. He was our, our returning champion. So I'm going to let him talk and then I'm going to let all of you guys really promote your stuff. So Mung, you know, I mean, 
you, you lost there on a little bit of a technicality, but why don't you, you close it out and tell us, you know, what you're working on right now. Sorry, right, I'll beat John in the listener league, so that'll make up for it. But uh, no, big congrats Very to John. That, uh, that 2K mark, love it. Uh, you know, I, I retweeted with the meme of uh, Adam Driver and Star Wars more. John deserves more followers, love his stuff. Um, but yeah, I love talking to all you guys, Jeff, Sam, Jeremy. Great to have you guys on. Um, you guys can find me on Twitter. You know that, at FFA underscore Mung. That's M-E-N-G. And like I said, uh, I just came out with my updated Dynasty ranks. So go check them out at Fantrax. Yeah, and I love that spread the love thing. You know, I think I did that for Jeremy way beforehand because I said, let's let's get him to a, I like totally messed it up. Let's get him to a certain number and it wasn't even close. But another great guy. Jeremy, tell us what you got going on. And honestly, all three of you guys, I wish we could have had more more content from all of you because you guys hit home runs. We'll have to have you guys on again, especially closer to the season. But Jeremy, why don't you tell us what you're working on? Yeah, for sure. Thanks again for uh, having me on, for sure. And uh, congratulations, Sean. 2K is a pretty sweet number. Honestly, I started not too long ago, and to think that I passed 2K was uh, pretty intense. But the Twitter community is great. So. But I agree with all of what you guys had said. John does deserve more. I like a lot of his stuff. Um, but, yeah, you can find any of my writing at yardsper.com, as well as the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. And then check out if you liked what I had to say, you can check out my own personal pod is the fantasy football playmakers. And thank you again for having me on guys. Yeah. You're our first four time guest. You know, you're part of the crew. So it's a little bit, a little bit different there, but so uh, does that mean I get bonus points? Can I beat it, Sean now? It means Cause I like, feel like there was a little collusion no. there for some reason. <laughs> I feel like something happened here. You're like the, like the, we'll get the jackets. It's like Alec Baldwin and, and who are all the people that have been on, you know, ah, SNL know. so many times, you know, like I've, I figure you're, you're crossing that threshold, and, and hopefully one of these two guys or both of these guys will as well. Uh, Sam, you know, thanks for having uh, coming on here. Appreciated it. It was, you know, we talk a lot on Twitter and we answer a lot of the same questions, but it was great being able to talk to you tonight. Yeah, and I, I wanted to thank you guys for having me on again, John. Congratulations on 2K. That's huge. I hope to hit that uh, by the season for me. But uh, I played a lot of Jeopardy on on a few different pods the last couple of weeks, and the one thing that always seems to happen is I lose. <laughs> <laughs> so it's nice to see the streak continue here. But uh, again, thank you guys for having me on. You guys can find me on Twitter at swagman95. Uh, you can find me now producing content for uh, Ball Blast Football. Uh, I dropped my first article today on uh, guys who are going to sneak into that top twelve at their respective positions. Um, I also do a YouTube series for 14 pod, uh, the ADP report. Uh, and then I also host my own show at the show FF. And, uh, our next show is Friday night with uh, football guys, staffer, Justin Hill. So that's going to be fun. Make sure you guys check that out. Great job. Keep up the grind. And last Thank but you. not least, Jeff, you know, again, talked quite a bit on Twitter, you know, interacting there, but it was great having you on here, you know, and I think you absolutely nailed it. You're doing so much in the community. Why don't you tell, you know, our listeners where they can find you? Yeah. First off, I'm eternally grateful for the opportunity. You know, this is the first time potting with all of you. And so I'm very appreciative that you reached out and I was able to do that. I enjoy all of your work. I see all you guys pop across my timeline and, and I enjoy every time I do. Um, so you can find me with Fantasy Pros. You can find me with Going for Two. You can find me with the Devi Royale. I do a little bit of Devi work. I do a little bit of NFL work. And so I just try to be all over wherever I can be. Um, but again, I just thank you so much for the opportunity. And I really appreciate it. And we're going to have to see that Thirsty Thursday dance a little bit later. You know, I don't know. Check out my pod from you don't the last night. You want to see it. You, you don't want to see it. it. You don't want to see it. It is on his pod. So <laughs> just go check his out. Yeah. It's gonna subtle have to. plug. I'm on a plug for the Debbie Royale. <laughs> a great show, by the way. Thank you very much, sir. Thanks again for tuning in and enjoy the process. Thanks a lot, guys. Yo, that was that was cool. You know, like.